It's your special guest host on cliffcentral.com. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Keke from Consciousness Cafe, and I have my other two members of Consciousness Cafe, uh, Claire Bell and Anisha Pancha, on the line with us today. We're going to be taking you through our... Well, yes, our year so far and some of the interesting things that are happening in the South African landscape and also through um, Claire's very, very challenging and interesting book titled Lost Where I Belong. Claire and Nisha. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Anisha? Hello. Hi. 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 Okay. Right. We're all here. Okay, so we'll just get right into it. Um, so today we're going to be, I mean, I think you've heard quite a lot about, you know, uh, the, the, the Twitter ra- ranting and raving and the social media activity that's been going on, um, with this penny, uh, uh lady. And <laughs> it's ironic because right now as I look across on the screen, there's somebody who's saying, I'd rather have a dinner with penny and like the so-called liberals, which say things behind your back. So <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of, um, things in the air. Um, I just remember when we first came on Cliff Central, um, wow, it's, Wow, it's in 2014, so almost two years ago already. And we we're talking about the need to speak and how Consciousness Cafe was an effort to promote, uh, you know, honest, honest engagement and honest dialogue. And now that we've seen that start to happen in different, very strange ways, um, you know, using social media and, you know, all of that, it's, it's really, I think it's at a different place. And I think it's almost at a, Maybe not a place that we would have wanted it to be. I think we, we could have done it in a healthier way. Um, I, I don't know what um, Anisha and Claire um, want to add to that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, it strikes me that, you know, for a long time we felt that we didn't need to talk about it. I mean, Mandela instructed us in some way to forgive um, and, and to sort of to forget. And I think from the white community, I think we sort of grabbed them. We're like, okay, everything's okay. We've got the democracy. Everything's okay. Um, and we're seeing now that that is deeply mistaken, um, that there is a ghost in our society that is not being listened to and is becoming like a poltergeist, um, really ranting and raging. And we, and we, we haven't had the proper spaces to talk about it. I think the problem is things like social media and those, those comments on, underneath stories where it just becomes so vitriolic. And they're not safe spaces and they're not healing spaces, um, you know, really where we can properly engage with, with each other. And we now realize how desperate that is. We haven't had that. You know, the TRC for the ordinary human being has not happened. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I was just, hi, everyone. Sorry, I didn't greet properly. <laughs> um, I was just, yeah, I agree with Claire. This again, you know, like you were saying, that, you know, when, when I saw that, the pink cell case, I was just like, oh, wow, you know, I just, I was like, gee, this is the, the need, like, this is a, a person crying out to to talk about what she actually feels, and I'm not saying that, that the way she said it is correct, but it's just, it just, again, you know, what I thought was what she's thinking, a whole lot of people actually have those thoughts in their head, you know, her opinion is not unique, and what she thinks you know, probably some of my family members think that, maybe some of my friends, but they're just not probably saying it to me. They probably just say, oh, we're not going to say that in front of Anisha. So there's a whole lot of people mm-hmm. that are actually thinking what she's thinking. And and that stuff, like they were saying, you know, we need, to, we need to talk about it in a healthy way. We need to talk about 
what the feelings that we that we have about each other in an honest way. And I'm not saying, like I said, that that you know, I'm not saying that we need to to spill hate speech mm. in social media because I think it's also it's it's almost like a like a you know sitting around a bride with a bunch of friends that have the same opinions as you, and then just you know throwing those out and getting you know just a lot. You we need to engage with each other properly about these things. Exactly. I mean. For me, it strikes me, <clears throat> I was saying to Keke last night, we were chatting on the phone, that when a thousand, a hundred thousand people go to the beach, they leave a mess, whoever they are, you know? <laughs> if you go to the Glastonbury Music Festival in the UK, all the people that go there think they're hippies and that they want to save the planet and they're part of Greenpeace and they just, that's, that's, the, that's the line. When they leave, the place is a disgusting mess. So human beings leave a mess en masse. That's what we do as a human, a human race. Um, and, and why in this country when somebody leaves a mess do they suddenly become a, a monkey? You know, it's like that is, we're so stuck in this strange, strange, um, damaged, bruised thinking. Yes, and, and you know, I just, um, and that has been coming out a whole lot that, you know, it's a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in one place will leave a mess. It doesn't matter where they are and who they are. And I think that's what I, I think um, centers it around South Africa so much and shows that, you know, anything you say in South Africa has to be, I don't know if I want to say censored. I'm, I'm, I'm not depending, I'm not uh, defending Penny Sparrow by any means. I think you know, I think there was a mention about, you know, hate speech versus, um, you know, the right to speak. And, you know, there are ways to say things. And actually, the mess that she's talking about is a mess that was made by many people. It doesn't matter who or what color creed or whatever they are. And yes, it's, yes, you have the right to express yourself and to say what you want, but they are very, I mean, I don't even know what to say to this because South Africa is a country we, we, we've been somewhere and we can't ignore where we've been and forget when we have media, uh, 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 podiums and things like social media and just, I don't know, ring off. And I, I don't think at all it's a restriction on the right to speak. I think there are things that can't be said in this country. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, in in line with that, I mean, I think Claire, you've been facing your own challenge with 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 your 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 book that um, we you're trying to get published, and you are you know a white South African who's trying to speak about something that I think has not exactly received very you know welcoming arms, and you know in our South African society, which is. I mean, this, this penny sparrow thing just, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it's a piece of an example of what's going on. You know, it's, it's, it's a symptom of the bigger, the deeper issues that we have, which you've already talked about. So, um, can you please just introduce us a little bit to, to your book and then we'll carry on from there? Absolutely. Is it still a good line? Because it sounded like it was breaking up then. Can you still hear me okay? Yes, I do. Fantastic. So, um, so I'm a, you know, my background is as a journalist and, I felt in 2009, what I really felt was I was not hearing the voices of rural South Africans or the ordinary human being in this country. The, the press seemed to be dominated with the voices of the elite and often a corrupt elite, fair enough, but also just very elite voices. And as a, as a South African, I just found myself wondering, you know, what are people really thinking about this democracy? So that was part of my initial sort of spur. And, and I won a, a fellowship from the Open Society Foundation to go and investigate what democracy had brought and had not brought to rural, the old trans guy. 
But actually what, what I realized as I sort of got closer into that world and went alone as a white South African woman was that, first of all, all my society around me was saying, I can't believe you're doing that. Why are you, are you going alone? And are you going to take a knife with you? And um, when, was it, when was the last time you saw a gun? And, uh, um, and so the, the society just deemed it that it would be dangerous for me to do that. And of course, then I realized, okay, hold on a second. Here I have to confront something in me. I am now becoming afraid, more and more afraid. And yes, I have been afraid of going to places like Soweto or Kailicha. And have I chosen rural South Africa even to investigate this? Because in some way I feel safer there. Um, anyway, that's a, you know. So, mm. so anyway, the point was I, I then realized that I had to start to investigate the fear culture in mm. the society mm. uh, and my upbringing, which told me that as a white woman, I shouldn't go to these places. And it was society was pressing down on me and saying you shouldn't. And then the strange thing as well is when I was in that society, when I was in the trans guy, you know, my guides in that world were like, you mustn't pick up hitchhikers. You mustn't walk alone. So black South Africans within that society were also trying to sort of mm. create a culture of fear or upkeep a culture of fear. So I guess it was an investigation in some way to see what are the truths of our, old, of our, of our society? Like what, do we, what should we really fear mm-hmm. and what is a myth? What is a social pressure? What is received so-called wisdom, received truth? And what, what is the real South Africa? Um, and I guess the other thing, I, I mean, this is why I really have to hold up, is that I believe myself to be a white liberal, um, which at the moment is the worst kind of person to be. Um, but at the time, in 2009, we were, we were still okay, I think. Um, and... I guess what, 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 when I started to realize the fear and how this fear started to work on me and how I was becoming more and more afraid of black South Africans, the closer I got in some ways in the trans sky, it made me think to myself, who are you? Who are you? What is in you? Because you were raised in Benoni on the East Rand in the thick of the 1980s in the state of emergency. Who are you, Claire? What is in that heart? What are the shadows in there? Because, and I think this is where I think this comes back to Penny Sparrow kind mm. of idea is that we white liberals or we, I, I prefer to use I, often I feel that I'm okay. It doesn't affect me. I didn't mm. do it. I, I'm not touched by it. And the fact is you are not operating alone. You are a part of this society. You are sucked into this kind of amorphic mass of society. And I don't know if you've read Jonathan Janssen's book, um, Knowledge in the Blood, but it's about how these things are passed on, not just through words, mm. through our behaviors, our structures. It's almost like it's something in the air. Um, and so I guess my, my, my journey with my book, which is called Lost Where I Belong, was a journey to challenge those what I call cancers in myself or shadows in myself. Oh, thank you, Claire, for the introduction. Um, Anisha, I don't know if you want to add something, but no, no, I just I wanted to to, to say to Claire that you know um, that whole journey because I think there's a lot of us, you know, a lot of people listening and thinking, wow, okay, you know, it's it, it's kind of you know you made that journey um, to kind of yeah look at those things that were within yourself. And you you were able to do that also in your interaction with people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about people like ordinary people that know, mm-hmm. you know, me, whoever, Pinisero, whoever, other people, you know, all of us that are sitting here with these prejudices, with these ghosts, with this anger, 
it's just grief, you know, with all this stuff. And, you know, we all, yeah, can't go on a journey to Sunshine. Mm. But, you know, yes. what it sounds like, it's, it's like a, I don't know, just, just tell me, it's like an inner journey and then mm. and a kind of experience with the people that you might fear or that you might be angry. So it's, it's kind of choosing an inner kind of work mm. and then also going out and, and experiencing people's views or experiencing people that you fear. Is, is that what you're saying, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you're basically asking how could everybody else do it that's not a writer um, and doesn't have the luxury of the time. And I think that's it. I think that I I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I think that's the bottom line of what I did. I took myself to places I was afraid of. I spoke to people that I normally wouldn't speak to. um, And I did the things that my society said I shouldn't do. So, for example, I walk and I still do it and I love it is I walk alone through downtown Johannesburg, um, through the city, shopping and buying stuff. And often I'm the only white person you see there. Um, and I guess it's just pushing ourselves. If we want to live, my, my thesis was if we want to live in this country and we want to be South African, and we've all got this dream of being a South African, then I need to be able to go to places where it, all places, all spaces, and we all do. We need to claim those spaces for it and, and share those spaces. And to do that, we have to get outside of our little pigeonholes, I guess. And Claire, um, you know, when you say that, I just, I, you know, what keeps coming back to me is the role of social media in, I almost feel like in deceiving us that we're doing something like that, even when we're not. Um, and, and I'm also to blame if you, if you think about how many friends you actually have on, on Facebook or whatever, and how many of them are real friends that you actually spend any time with or that you actually have ever met in real, you know, in person or physically and how many of them are just people that, you know, send you a friend request because you're friends with somebody or whatever. And my thing is, you know, the disengagement almost that that has introduced. And it's it's almost, and I feel that, you know, some of the things that are coming out and some of the things that people are saying are coming from that 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 disengagement. I I almost feel like it's almost like you, you, you have a certain identity that, in some ways is a really raw and true identity because you feel protected because nobody is looking at you physically as you say these things. So, so you say them and it's easier for you to say them. But in other ways, it's, it's deceiving in that, you know, like you were saying earlier, you're saying it to, you know, people who might be thinking in the same way and you're also saying it in a, Almost like you're saying it, I would say chicken or, you know, in, in school we used to say, if you're not brave enough to face something head on, you, you'll, you'll, you know, kind of go around, around it and until your point is kind of made. And for me, I just feel like all of this, the stuff that's coming out is also as a result of that. You know, people feel like they finally have a podium. It's almost like an unseen one where they can say things that they really think without getting the judgment or the dirty look or the slap maybe even sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's right. I think it's so insightful there, Kiki, about the, the feeling of disengaged, of being and disempowered as well. Like you mm. feel like you've heard, you're heard, you can speak, but are you actually being heard? Are you actually being listened to? Um, I, I just have to tell you a little story. When I'm walking through downtown Joburg, like one of the first times I was doing that, and these two security guards were just chatting on the street, and I asked them something, and... We got chatting and they were like, oh, it's so great you're here, you know. Most white women are usually in the mall in Sandton. And they're like, oh, it's just so lovely chatting to you. So much we want to talk about. And that's that feeling of like, wow, we really haven't spoken. Mm. Like so much we do not know about each other. Like what we like, what we think about, what we care about, what we dream about, 
we actually don't know. Mm. And I'm like, that's that's telling, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. true. Yeah, and I also, yeah, I mean, and just on on Claire's point, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, when you're talking about a group of people, and I'm saying those white people or those black people on the beach, it, you know, it's it's that disengagement that you're talking about. I don't know those people. Like, mm-hmm. saying, I don't know their dreams. I don't know. And if we actually talk to each other about them, we'll find out that we actually, you know, Kiki's dream is very similar to mine. Or, you know, we actually have these common things. And it's just because, or we don't have these common things, but we find each other interesting. Or, you know, we can have an engaging debate. But we're sitting here and pointing at these bunch of people, or woo-woo blacks, or white, or Indians, and we we know nothing about them because we're not talking to each other. Like we we just you're making these assumptions that those people are like this, those people are because we are disengaged, like you're saying. And I think it's like you're saying with the social media, it's easy because mm. we found a kind of new way to communicate. So we think that's fine. Let's communicate this way, and it's okay because we are communicating. We do have friends. We do have you know. So it's okay. We we are engaging in some way, but it's better healthy way of engaging. Exactly, and you know I'm. I'm you know, the response has been, you know, to, you know, fight, you know, we want a job. Um, there was a, a lady who, who, uh, tweeted something racist and got onto a flight. And when she landed, she had been fired. So, <laughs> um, I'm just forgetting her name. And now they're talking about that, you know, for Penny, for Penny Sparrow. I mean, I know this happened almost two days ago now, but, um, you know, even, um, Chris Hart from Standard Bank, um, you know, Standard Bank is kind of wanting to disassociate with him out of what he said about how, you know, 25 years later, black people are still feeling, um, you know, entitled. And, you know, there are all these things that are being said. And, and my, my, my thing is then, you know, we're waiting for, we, we kind of wait for things to get to the state where they get to. And then we want to react and we want to fire people and we want to threaten people and, you know, we're questioning what is freedom of speech and, and what is hate speech. And my whole question is, um, how, what do we do? Like, you know, do we call, is it, is it perpetration? Is it making a joke of what is already, I mean, in my view, it's, it's, it's already something that is very far from reality, this rainbow nation. And when things like this happen, it just shows that. So, I mean, the reaction and the response is always of anger. It's always, let's do this. You know, let's, let's do this. This person needs to be fired. This person needs to be banned and get on a plane and go back to wherever. And my thing is that, you know, at that stage of things, I mean, what help is there? What are we achieving at that point? Because we're punishing individuals rather and, and holding them up as an example when really we're all to blame. We're all, you know, we're all, we, all of us are not talking properly. Exactly. Um, and I think the thing with that, Chris, I mean, you know, when he says um, black people are entitled or feel entitled, you know, I've heard that from black South Africans, you know, in the trans sky, raging against, you know, specifically um, a friend of mine, Sibusisa's aunt, saying exactly that about frustration with people who leave the rural areas and go to the cities and expect a house. And when a black South African woman says it, you know, it is okay. And when a white South African says it, it isn't okay. So we have, we do have that problem with who can speak who can have certain points of view mm-hmm. um that's a very interesting when is freedom of speech when is it hate speech is one person's hate speech another person's freedom of speech mm-hmm. that's quite a complicated and interesting thing to ask and i think okay you go first Anisha. 
No, I was just I was just connecting to what you were saying before about you know we we quick then to to banish people and say okay let's you know we don't want them to associate with our party you know they we don't want to associate with our company you know let's whatever find them and call them and whatever threaten them but then it also then you know where do we get with that because then they hide further in a mm. corner with those oh. thoughts. Mm. And like I was saying earlier, there's a whole lot of us with those thoughts that Penny has in our head. Mm. And if we vanish and say, you know, you're a racist troll and you should just hide in your house, you know, otherwise we're going to come after you. You know, it also, what does that help? Because it's further disengaging with that person. You know, that person has those thoughts. It's not, you know, it's mm. there. Whether they are racist, whether they, you know, they they offending us, they are there. They exist, and they exist with other people too. So by banishing someone and saying, you know, gee, you can't have those thoughts, go in your corner. You know, where are we getting with that? Also, mm. it's, okay, you have those thoughts. Why do you have those thoughts? You know, do you want to engage with a with a black person honestly and and see that those thoughts can you know engage with someone that that is black, that went to the beach or in Durban, or, you know, how do we then get past that? Because banishing and saying, ah, you racist troll, go hide somewhere and don't say anything on Twitter ever again, which I don't, <laughs> on Facebook, I don't think she's going to say anything anymore. But you know what, does that help? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean, I just, I think that's the thing also, I mean, and, and, you know, what I was trying to say as well about, you know, reaching when, when things reach a certain stage and then acting, it's almost like acting after something has happened, you know, being reactive. And I think we've been too reactive in dealing with this issue. And, you know, it keeps coming up again and again and again that it's an issue, you know, it's an issue. And it takes things like this for us to react and, you know, surge in anger. And how long is that going to continue? And my thing is exactly what you're saying about, you know, having the real conversations already, you know, talking about this thing so that, yes, those ugly thoughts are there. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, say Penny Sparrow is the only person who thinks that. There are a whole lot of people who think that, just like what you're saying, Anisha. And had we talked to these people beforehand, they would have been, something to be said and we're just going to go on a break and then after that we'll just continue on this um this topic i am the future of south africa on my shoulders i carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come i'm eager to learn but even more eager to use my knowledge for good i know that it's not where i come from but where i'm going to that really matters at sibanya gold we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold. We are one. Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com And we're back and trying to keep it real on uh, cliffcentral.com. Um, Consciousness Cafe with KK, uh, Claire, and Anisha Panshia. Um, I'd, li- I'd just like us to talk a little bit more about Claire's book and, um, and I'd, I'd, I'd like us to position it sort of and, you know, because two other books have come out which are, you know, 
not yeah along the same lines um we have real hafizis um what if there were no white people in south africa and you see this mckaiser's run racist run and claire i'd just like you to give um us a you know what your opinion is you know what the difference is if they are and what the similarities might be with with the, those two books and your own that you you know lost where i belong sure absolutely well you say it's is there an echo can you hear me okay yes. um so I've read both of those books. I, I mean, I read all books about South African issues and really devour such books. Um, I think Eusebius Mackay is brilliant at building arguments, but and he's an amazing, amazing mind. But his is a real investigation of the head. Um, and also, I often feel that like Eusebius always has to be right. He's a little bit of an intellectual bully in some ways, and I find that a bit frustrating. Ferial's book... Um, Again, she's very comfortable in her position, and her position is that she feels, as a, a black South African woman or a colored South African woman, that she she's walking in the world of power, in the world of black power. And she's very surprised by the young black South Africans who feel very frustrated and feeling that they don't have um, a, a political power, put it that way. And so she tries to come to understand their point of view and to see, you know, to see where, where the difference is. So in Eusebius' book and in Farrell's, I think they both come from a position where they feel that they are in some way right and that they're somewhere very comfortable in, in, their, in their position. Um, in Lost Where I Belong, I think I very clearly feel uncomfortable, that I know there's something that's not quite right. My starting position is something's not quite right here with my position, but mm. I'm not quite sure what it is. And I think, also, if you think of 2009, that was when the book began, that was before we'd, we'd labeled this term whiteness before we'd really understood what we meant by privilege. And so I think I'm sort of struggling to understand why, as a white South African, I don't feel completely equal. Um, and why, and it's interesting, as a white South African, and this is explored in the book, you are often treated differently. You know, people will ask you for money. They'll ask you, if they, if they don't know you, they'll expect you to be able to achieve something or do something for them. And you think, bloody hell, you think I've got that much power? I'm just a useless white person. I'm a useless person, or I'm just I'm, I'm I'm full of anxiety and stress like everybody else. So you're constantly, by the nature of your skin, given some kind of power which you don't feel you have inside of you. And I think that's that was a very complex um, kind of journey that I went on with the book. Um, and I guess also a big lesson in my book um, is about compassion. Mm. That because I go on this journey and I put myself in very difficult and fearful situations, and I actually end up having almost like a nervous breakdown, basically. Um, and I'm not compassionate with myself. And I think apartheid was not compassionate. It was a system about order. It wasn't about humanity. It was about order and control. And I think we've got a little bit of that in us. Um, so when I started to, like to evolve and to see what I needed to change, and, and, and I realized I need to be compassionate with myself. And when when people treat me as a white South African, like I can do more than what I think I can, I need to also explain to, to that person I am just an ordinary human, and that's a kind of, kind of compassion too, like to to, mm. to 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 refuse to be put on any pedestal. You know, I refuse to go there. And I just want to, you know, comment when you say that because there was a part, you know, in your book where earlier, you know, you always had this 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 conflict, you know, you always had this um kind of an emotional letdown like that 
where you were questioning even relationships that you had with black people, you know, how genuine were the relationships? You know, was it because it was it coming to a certain end? Was that person nice to you because they were thinking that now you're going to help them pay for this or you're going to give them this much money for, for, you know, whatever it is that you were engaging on. And then I think later on in the book, um, you know, you know, I think after you've gone a larger part of the journey, someone else asks you, um, I think to, you know, to put them through school or to pay for a registration or something. And at that point, you say very assertively and confidently like listen just because I'm white it doesn't mean I have the money to do that for you and I found that very admirable because I think uh, the person walked away not feeling you know offended or you know or, or wanting to attack or you know feeling a certain way but you just spoke a truth and I think a lot of it is about where you are when you say this truth and I think that's what we're struggling to get to where we can say things that are not necessarily things that the other wants to hear, but we need to be in a space where it's okay to say those things. Yeah. And to see that I see the dignity in you and you see the dignity in me. And, you know, that young person who asked me for money to, for university, I was like, you're obviously very intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, we've been chatting about art uh, <laughs> and you're obviously a smart human being. Mm. And uh, and so I can't. This is unfair. Like there's banks, and there are other ways that we we get along in life. We don't ask a white girl that you've met on the sort of corner of the street, you know. Mm. Uh, and then for the good of both of us and the good of this country, we need to see that. And then we shook hands, and he walked away. And that felt really, yeah, very equaling. Because God, that's all we want. If we want democracy, we want to feel completely equal. Um, and Kiki, you were talking about this last night. That I think it comes back to this whole supremacy, in, and mm. you saying that. White people don't understand the black, the depth of black, was it internalized oppression or that mm, feeling of inferiority yes, that comes yes. from all of this colonialism and apartheid that we actually don't get it. And maybe you could speak a bit to that. Yes, and and I mean, I, I you know, it was triggered also as I was reading your book was because it felt like a triple whammy almost, and and I think you mentioned it a little bit as well. You know, um, that there was colonization, and then right after, you know. Then there was apartheid, and then right after apartheid, now we have, you know, what we have in power at, in the current state in South Africa, which is, you know, and all of those things were dis- disempowering in different ways. Of course, we know the stories about colonialism. Of course, we know those horror stories about apartheid. But what has happened now is that, you know, it's almost like this dependency has been created that, you know, the government is going to give us something. So there's no recognition of self you know, ability or self capability in being your own destiny. It's almost like, you know, the structures and systems that have been in place in this country have just perpetuated that, that oppressed mind that is almost, you know, it's so difficult for it to get out of that space. And then, you know, I, I don't know. It's almost like it's only expressed in, in these furies when, when Penny Sparrow speaks or when, but you know, inside it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's almost like a quiet, disempowered state. And I know a lot of people are going, would like, will disagree with me. And, but for me, you know, and this is also part of what was in your book, which made me so sad about, you know, someone who, you know, how in the rural areas, like in the rural Eastern Cape, there's all this land that is not being worked because working land is, 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 is not, Western, you know, it's, it's not Western enough. It's not cool. And people don't want to be working a land in order to feed themselves and to own that power. Instead, you know, they, you know, they're busy trying to find ways to travel to Johannesburg so they can 
I don't know, like meet a white girl in the street and ask her to put them through school or, or whatever. I know I'm, I'm mixing things up, but the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, black is not good enough, you know, and, and, and people are battling with that whole thing and it's so embedded. It's so embedded that in, in ourselves, like in our own psyches, that it, it makes it difficult for us to step out of that. And when, when we have these engagements with people who then kind of, I don't know, knock on that very sensitive thing. It's, 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 you know, it, I don't know. It's just a, a melting yeah. pot. It says a lot to me also, like when I think about white people, I mean, white supremacy issue as well aside, but that white people often don't like other white people, feel bad, like, 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 like you're not proud of being white because it's embarrassing because it has this huge weight of history on it. So you're kind of ashamed of yourself, you know? So you've got the, sh- and, uh, and, not, and, and again, people will say, I'm not ashamed of being white. How dare you say that? But, uh, yeah, there is, there, there's some sort of, there's psycho, you might not, feel it totally but there's bits of us that are all scarred like this mm. and i think that's what we are there's this scarred scarred nation just full of wounds you know and we haven't been able to lick them yet because we we're kind of told to ignore them um, okay. and i think we need to kind of get out the zambuck you know yeah, yeah. your wounds kk <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kay. Um, uh, so thank you. On that note, um, we, we, we should be wrapping up. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you would like to say, um, you know, to leave people with about, about this book of yours that, you know, we hope to get published soon. And Anisha, I don't know if you have anything to say. Um, I yeah, I just want to oh, you, go, you first. go first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, like, yeah, we've had a short conversation about Kay's book and, and about the things that I think it's just, you know, we need to continue talking about the stuff. And even if it takes an ugly, Facebook message to get talking. We need to talk, and that's what that consciousness cafe is about. And can you maybe you can just give the details about our next dialogue before you wrap up now? Okay, sure. Thanks, okay. guys. Thank you. Yes. So absolutely, come to the Consciousness Cafe. We're going to be on all year long, and Katie will tell you more. But also, just about Lost Where I Belong. I mean. This is a book which now has a great literary agent and, um, you know, people like the book, but it has not, I'm being told there's no market for it, that there's no market for books that want to confront white racism. And that is frightening Mm. because if there's no market for this, we will never change. So if you think there's a market for this book, please contact the publishers and tell them that, you know, (laughs) this is a book you'd like to read because right now Penguin and Random House, they don't think there's a market for this kind of book. Thank you, Claire. So catch us in Cape Town um, this weekend, actually on my birthday on the 9th of January. We are going to be at the bookery at 3 p.m. having a consciousness conversation in Cape Town for the first time. And yeah, check us out on Facebook and, and on Twitter as well. Um, we look forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's time for a WeChat workout. WeChat. Go, go, go to the Cliff Central account. Tap connect. Then message to show. This is cliffcentral.com.